Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship today. Special welcome to those who might be joining us online or, or on the phone this morning. We're glad that you are uh, here. Uh, just a few announcements uh, before we begin. Um, please take a look at the, the announcements prints in your bulletin. I'll just highlight a couple. Um, uh, one is this week uh, in Columbus, Ohio, is um, the ELCA, our National Denominations Churchwide Assembly. This is the uh, this is the every three-year gathering where some of the decisions are made for our national church body. You can think of how we have an annual congregational meeting and we have an annual synod assembly for our region, and this is for the, the whole country. So that will be happening in Columbus, Ohio. And we're sending a, a team from our synod, and, and I'm one of the people going to be a voting member, so ask for your prayers for our travel and for our uh, meeting as well. Uh, I also brought with me a sign-up sheet that I'm not sure I put out in time for most people to see it, but um, in the back there's a sign-up sheet for an upcoming service day for Lowell Elementary on uh, August 28th. We're going to be doing a couple of service projects. Um, one will take place here down in the fellowship hall. We'll be putting together some teacher appreciation gift bags um, uh, and doing some handwritten notes, of, uh, sending some words of encouragement to teachers as they begin their uh, school year. Um, we're also going to be collecting some items for that. We don't quite have a list ready for this morning, but if you're interested in donating either um, items for those gift bags or if you'd rather just donate some money and we can send someone else to do the shopping, um, let me know and we'll be sharing some more information about the items we're gathering soon. Um, the other uh, group that will be serving that day is we'll, a, f a smaller group. Um, we'll go up to the playground and do some weeding kind of make it look nice for the school year. So uh, save the date for August 28th and uh, sign up in the back to let us know if you'll be joining us that day. Uh, a happy announcement to share this morning is that um, Graham and Sabrina uh, Schuler, who are young adult members here, uh, they, were, uh, they just had their uh, baby, uh, baby Theodore. So please keep um, Graham, Sabrina, and Theodore in your prayers uh, this week. Are there any other announcements we should make before we begin? If not, we'll begin our service with our prelude music.
please stand as you're able and face the baptismal font. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not followed your path, but have chosen our own way. Instead of putting others before ourselves, we long to take the best seats at the table. When met by those in need, we have too often passed by on the other side. Set us again on the path of life. Save us from ourselves and free us to love our neighbors. Amen. Hear the good news. God does not deal with us according to our sins, but delights in granting pardon and mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You are free to love as God loves. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O God of life, happy are we when our foundation is in you and your commandments. Happy are we when we make our home in your love. Happy are we when our roots go deep in this love, for then we know the summit of the owl tree, which lives and grows bare and bears fruit even in the driest of times. Strengthened and nourished by your holy love, help us to choose life. Help us to seek peace. Help us to live justly and resist evil. For the sake of Christ and for the sake of our neighbors. Amen. Please be seated. reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Word of God, word of life. Let your loving kindness be upon us as we place our hope in you. Let your loving kindness be upon us as we place our hope in you. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. Happy the people chosen to be God's heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees all humankind. God fashions all their hearts and observes all their deeds. Let your loving kindness 
kindness be upon us as we place our hope in you. A king is not saved by the size of the army, nor are warriors rescued by their great strength. The horse gives vain hope for victory. Despite its great strength, it cannot save. To deliver their lives from death, and to keep them alive in time of famine. Let your loving kindness be upon us as we place our hope in you. Our innermost being waits for you, O Lord, our helper and our shield. Surely our heart rejoices in you, for in your holy name we put our trust. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us, even as we place our hope in you. Let your loving kindness be upon us as we place our hope in you. The second reading is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. So what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land that he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises. But from a distance they saw and greeted them, they confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, 
they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. Word of God, word of life. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 12th chapter. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. <clears throat> Have no fear, little flock, for it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom this morning. Amen. For many years, for generations, Europeans had this saying about the impossibility of seeing a black swan. It cut across several cultures in Europe. The Latin saying dated back at least to the second century to a Roman poet. Everyone in Europe assumed that black swans simply did not exist. So this adage to talk about a black swan was to say that something was impossible. But then in 1697, a group of Dutch explorers reached the western side of Australia. And what did they find there? A bunch of black swans. So seemingly overnight back in Europe, the term black swan took on a new meaning. Now it meant that something that was thought to be impossible could later be disproven. Be careful what you assume, in other words, 
Just because you've never seen a black swan doesn't mean it's impossible or that it will never happen. Something you might feel certain about today has the possibility of changing. The Lebanese-American scholar Nassim Nicholas Taleb wrote a whole book on what he calls black swan events. These are events that lie outside of our usual expectations for what can happen next and can have an extremely disruptive impact because they are beyond our imagination and often find us unprepared. One of his prime examples in his book is September 11th. Perhaps you'll remember from before 2001 that in those days beforehand, it was beyond most of our imaginations that a terrorist attack like that could take place on U.S. soil. And as we know, that unexpected event changed so much of how we live in our world. Likewise, the COVID-19 pandemic could be described as a black swan event. If you would have asked a few of us, asked any of us five years ago, if we could have imagined some of the changes we would have had to have made. Other black swan events in the book were the rise of the internet, the fall of the Soviet Union, the start of World War I, and the financial collapse of 2008. In retrospect, we can look back and find reasons for why all these things happened, but at the time, they all came as a surprise. They were impossible for us to predict. I don't know about you, but I don't particularly like living with this amount of uncertainty, right? When things can change in an instant. We'd rather be able to predict what will happen, or at least find a way to hedge our bets, protect ourselves from risk. But all of us at some point, in one way or another, comes face to face with the uncertainty of life, right? It's what the author Kate Bowler calls the precarity of life, the precariousness of life. That is, life can be fragile, and our fortunes can change in the blink of an eye. We all have black swan experiences that we could not have predicted, but change everything. We are all faced with this precarity. For Bowler, the author I just mentioned, it was a stage four cancer diagnosis in her mid-30s. For us, it could be the uncertainty of a job loss or a divorce, a diagnosis, the death of a loved one. Natural disasters happen, recessions and depressions happen, and we're not always able to predict or prepare ourselves adequately. I imagine if you were to look around the sanctuary this morning, you would see the face of someone who is carrying the burden of life's uncertainty. You might be carrying that burden this morning. I think we all know this worry, this anxiety of waiting for the other shoe to drop, of wondering when the worst will happen. In the ancient Near East, the setting of our Bible, there was a common motif for this kind of worry and unpredictability. People in the time of Jesus would say these threats came like a thief in the night. What's more uncertain than the possibility that someone out there that we don't even know might sneak into your house? There's hardly anything more unsettling to imagine or experience than someone being in your space unexpectedly. Uh, unexpectedly. 
Ancient people thought this too. So they would use the thief in the night as a common metaphor for life's uncertain and unpredictable surprises. We see this in our gospel reading. Jesus warns about storing up treasures that can be taken by a thief in the night. And he says, but know this, if the owner of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. Jesus, in other words, is raising this anxiety that we all know, this anxiety about the unpredictability of the future. For most of us, we try to suppress this uncertainty. We try to mitigate risk and do our best to be prepared just in case. We build up our rainy day fund. We wear our seatbelts. We lock our doors. We make sure we're properly insured and so on. There's an element of prudence and wisdom in all of this that we all know. We do our best, but the uncertainty never really leaves us. And sometimes our efforts to suppress life's uncertainty gets in the way of living, gets in the way of doing what we're supposed to do, gets in the way of loving our neighbors, striving for the kingdom, gets in the way of following Jesus. You see, that's the context of Jesus' teaching here. He has just finished this long section, familiar to most of us, where he talks about not worrying. He says, do not worry. Look at the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. He tells his disciples not to worry about their clothes or what they will eat. He says, stop worrying because you can't add a single hour to your life in that way. These are the things we worry about each day, right? What we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to lay down at night. Instead, he says, seek the kingdom first and these other things will be added to you as well. That's the context, the verse that comes right before our reading where Jesus says, do not be afraid, little flock. Jesus, in other words, is asking his disciples to do some pretty risky things. He's asking them to leave all they know behind. He's asking them to follow him on his way to the cross. He's asking them to let go of those things that give them a false sense of security because he knows the true way to God, our refuge. We don't like uncertainty, so we do all kinds of things to make ourselves safer. But Jesus is telling us not to put too much weight on those things, to not cling too tightly to things that get in the way. Not only do these things give us a false sense of security, but they can get in the way of what he's calling us to do, and we can go too far. I imagine a homeowner or someone who's uh, uh, trying to protect their house who's afraid of a thief coming in the night. Maybe they begin by locking their doors, but they realize that they still don't quite feel safe enough, so they install a tall fence. And maybe they still don't feel safe enough, so they put up a couple cameras. And they still don't feel safe enough, so they add some barbed wire. And then they don't feel safe enough yet, so they pay someone to surveil them in their whole house. Maybe then, maybe then they can sleep at night and feel safe from the thief who's out there. But when you step back and look at that picture, are we describing a home or are we describing a prison? Prisoners live behind a big locked door with high fences and barbed wire and cameras on them 24-7, right? My point is not that we shouldn't do wise things to protect ourselves, but that at some point our obsession with security, our obsession with mitigating risk and uncertainty 
we can build a prison around ourselves. Sometimes in our efforts to find security, we can go so far that we cease to live in the freedom Christ calls us to. And maybe for this homeowner that we're imagining, there's a neighbor who has been sick for weeks, but because of the tall fence, the person can't even see that they're in need. You see what I mean? Sometimes in our effort to suppress uncertainty, we protect ourselves uh, to try to protect ourselves from every black swan and every thief in the night that we begin to lose track about what life is all about. Jesus instead is asking his disciples to place their trust and find their security in God, our refuge. Seek the kingdom, he's saying, even if it's risky, because in God we find our only true security. Seek the kingdom because it is God's good pleasure to give it to you. Jesus is asking us to lean into the uncertainty of life by following him because he said is, says it is worth it. In the end, it is the only thing that endures. I have the image of a trust fall. Maybe you've done this with a partner where one of you is blindfolded and you know, cross your arms and you have to fall backwards trusting that the other person is going to catch you. What Jesus is saying is that a lot of times we expect earthly things to catch us. We think that our possessions will catch us. We think that, uh, we think that our, our position, our prestige, our power, we think all of these relationships, these earthly uh, trusting things behind us are going to catch us. But Jesus says, in the end, what's going to catch you is God. Jesus, in a way, is asking us to do a trust fall with our lives, to let go of some of those things that get in the way, whether it be possessions or worry or fear. He is, in essence, asking us to take the risk of the kingdom because God will catch you when you fall. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You can trust God to catch you. The New Testament adds its own twist to the motif of the thief in the night. In today's text, after describing the thief in the night, Jesus says, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. In other words, Jesus does something a little strange here. He takes that motif of the thief in the night, the thing that causes us so much fear, and he says, I'm going to come like the thief in the night. This comes up as well in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Peter and the book of Revelation 2, where Jesus, God, is compared to the thief in the night. God takes the thief in the night motif and turns it on its head. What if in our imagination the thief in the night is not a villain out to get us, but the surprising love and grace and justice of God appearing in Jesus Christ? What if the one that we're trying to keep out was the one who was sent to save us? Jesus mixes his metaphors a little here and says that it's kind of like he's a master returning from a wedding party, hoping to find his servants still awake. Then in another twist, the master serves the servants. The master welcomes them to the table. What an odd surprise in the middle of the night. The arrival of Jesus in our life is, in a way, a black swan event. It upends everything for us. We could not have predicted it. We could not have foreseen it. But this visitor who shows up at an unexpected hour leads us into life and grace and freedom. 
So in the midst of your fears, in the midst of your worries, in the midst of the precarity of life, Jesus speaks this word to us. Have no fear, little flock. Seek the kingdom. Follow the shepherd into the darkest valley because it is God's good pleasure to lead you into green pastures. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. Trusting in God's extraordinary love, let us come near to the Holy One in prayer. Merciful God, you see our prayer. Let our loving kindness be upon your creation dwell among us and sustain our earthly home in places of famine, provide nourishment in places of plenty, fashion us to be good stewards of your bounty, merciful God. Receive our prayer. Let your loving kindness be upon your world, be our helper and our shield in places torn by strife and violence, especially Ukraine, raise up 
courageous leaders to govern with compassion and justice. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Let your loving kindness be upon your children. Look upon all who wait for your steadfast love. Console those who grieve and embrace those who cry out to you, especially Kristen, Sharon, Jackie, Mary, Leticia, Denia, and those we name now aloud or silently. Help us to trust your promise and not be afraid. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Let your loving kindness be upon this community. Fashion our hearts to strive for the way of peace. Strengthen the outreach ministries of this congregation, especially those who prepare meals for Healing House and all who care for those in need. Merciful God, receive our prayer. With thanksgiving, we remember all who have died in faith and now rest in you. As they place their hope in you, so strengthen us to trust in your promise of new life. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We lift up special prayers today, God, for Theodore, Graham, and Sabrina. We give thanks for this gift of life, and we ask that you bless them. Merciful God, And finally, God, we also lift up prayers for those who are traveling to the churchwide assembly in Columbus. We ask that you would uh, guide your church with wisdom, that you would help us to be people who seek your kingdom in all things. Merciful God, receive the prayers of your children, merciful God, and hold us forever in your steadfast love through Jesus Christ, our holy wisdom. Peace of the Lord be with you always. Please take a moment to share a sign of peace with those around you. my shackle, I'm not 
Please stand as you're able. Let us pray. God of abundance, you have set before us a plentiful harvest. As we feast on your goodness, strengthen us to labor in your fields, and equip us to bear fruit for the good of all. In the name of Jesus, amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection, open to us the way of everlasting life. So with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. of our weary years, God of our silent tears, you have brought us this far along the way. In times of bitterness, you did not abandon us, but guided us into the path of love and light. In every age, you sent prophets to make known your loving will for all humanity. The cry of the poor has become your own cry. Our hunger and thirst for justice is your own desire. In the fullness of time, you sent your chosen servant to preach good news to the afflicted, to break bread with the outcast and despised, and to ransom those in bondage to prejudice and sin. We remember in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. It's my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his death and resurrection, we await the day when Jesus shall return to free all the earth from the bonds of slavery and death, Come, Lord Jesus, and let the church say, Amen. Amen. Send your Holy Spirit, our advocate, to fill the hearts of all who share this bread and cup with courage and wisdom to pursue love and justice in all the world. Come, Spirit of freedom, and let the church say, Amen. Amen. Join our prayers and praise with your prophets and martyrs of every age, 
that rejoicing in the hope of the resurrection, we might live in the freedom and hope of your Son. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honors is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught his friends to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Today you'll go to the side aisles and come forward, or at the front you'll find these two side tables uh, where you'll grab an empty cup and bring it with you to the railing where it'll be filled with wine and where you'll receive bread. If you need or desire grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. Just grab them, bring them with you to the railing, and, uh, and when you are done, you will return down the center aisle, placing your empty cup in this bowl by the center aisle. Again, we extend a wide invitation to all who are gathered here today uh, to commune with us today, because this is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table, and the invitation comes to you from Christ. We extend our communion and our welcome to those who are joining us online as well. We are glad you are with us at the Lord's table this morning. Receive now this invitation to communion. In Christ's presence, there is fullness of joy. Come to the banquet.
Please stand as you are able. May the, may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Life-giving God, through this meal you have bandaged our wounds and fed us with your mercy. Now send us forth to, to live for others, both friend and stranger, that all may come to know your love. This we pray in the name of Jesus.
The God of peace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you, comfort you, and show you the path of life this day and always. Amen. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is to proclaim and celebrate the love of Jesus Christ, to live as God's servants in the world, and to be a caring and healing community. Go in peace. Love your neighbor. Thank you. 